The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Early ball looking for Dan Juma. Across the goal. Oh, now Dan Juma. A moment of controversy. A moment ago. And now a moment of decisiveness from the Dutchman. A long ball down the left-hand side. Hello and welcome to episode 115 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. My name's Sam Davis and on this show we're getting straight into it. An extended dissection of Saturday's 1-0 victory against Watford, a match which saw a plethora of talking points with the Cherries using their, in quotation marks, experience to gain three points. Look, whilst you can potentially understand the frustrations of the visitors and their supporters, it wasn't just a one-sided game of shithousery. And it did get an overly hysterical reaction from Watford fans online over the last 24, 48 hours, reaffirming the fact that if it's any kind of rivalry, it's just a Twitter one. Bournemouth fans don't really care. Now I know how Southampton feel. It's a bit of a weird one. We're going to go over it and we can't wait to do so. We've also got the player ratings as well. A 10 minute zip through of every single person on the pitch in a red and black shirt that played substantial minutes. Tiggs, Dawson, Jeff and Tom take you through all the action. Plus, if you're a subscriber to our YouTube channel, you'll be aware that we had an interview on Sunday night. And that was with Tony Pulis. The pivotal midfield hard man in Harry Redknapp's promotion side of 1986-87. A man whose full-length tackles still make 80s playmakers wake up in the night shaking. Of course, the whole audio of that will be arriving on this podcast at some point soon. We've actually got a few to get through before that particular show arrives in your lug holes. But if you want to watch it now... It's at youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast. Plus, we'll give you a 10-minute taster later on, you lucky things. So, I think we should get into it. It's Tiggs that's leading the line of inquiry today. And let's enjoy that 1-0 again. 
you, Tom. Good to see you. How are you, Jeff? Bit of a better weekend than last weekend. And Neil Dawson, how are you doing, Neil? Very good, how are you? That's made a better weekend for us, hasn't it, Jeff? Yeah, uh, a lot of fight, uh, literally, metaphorically, whatever you want to call it, it was there. And um, just generally, um, much better performance. Love it, sticking one on Watford as well. (laughs) I'm sorry, but I do. Yeah, they did not like it. Um, (laughs) uh, There's been, Neil, a lot of Watford fans feeling quite intense about their feelings about yesterday's game, quite intense about their feelings about us generally. I listened to a uh, podcast that Sam sent through to me this morning, and they really, 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 really don't like us. Can you understand it? Well, first, I'd just like to say how nice it is that Tom's wearing the Watford home kit from... Uh... <laughs> it does look a bit Watford, doesn't it? I wore yellow yesterday as well. From 1987. I think that's really magnanimous of him to make that gesture, so... I think it's good, yeah. nice, nice bridge building from Tom. Um, I do, I do know why they don't like us um, because I think we, <clears throat> we've had a series of events against them that I think, if we we're all to be honest, would have wound us up had it been the other way round. So I think there was a there was a Mark Pugh uh, trip for a, a trip for a penalty where he fell over a blade of grass. There was the Cal- Callum Wilson's one two penalties against Watford that would have annoyed me had some, a Troy Deeney won them against us and. I think there's something about them that brings out our sort of like ability to dive, win things, whinge a little bit, and then and of course they they were up for they were up for spotting that, and then Jeff took it to a different level a little bit. The spells yesterday, so I I can understand it, but at the same time it gives me huge enjoyment. Yeah, completely. Uh, he had a lovely smile after the game on Twitter as well, didn't he, Tom? Oh, that's brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, he still carried on after the game. But um, yeah, no, it's weird, isn't it? We've been talking about kind of the lack of fight and stuff, and that's exactly what we saw. So um, that was that was really good to see that uh, that fight was back. And yeah, they tried to listen. They they tried to wind Jeff up, and um, he won. You know, as simple as that. But um, yeah, I agree with what Neil said. It is what it is, isn't it? You'd be annoyed if it was the other way. But you know, Jeff got the better of him yesterday, and it was uh, quite nice to see. I think also the rivalry is down to a certain game in the championship. Ooh, when was that? Not long ago, where they played Sheffield Wednesday and we were playing Charlton. Anyone remember oh, yeah. that one? What happened yeah, there? Vaguely, vaguely. Yeah. yeah, they had some unused furniture, didn't they? That they, uh, <laughs> they weren't able to pull out. So at 12.30, the teams came out. We'd had a little look at what they might be. We weren't sure how they're going to line up. We had Begovic, Smith, Carter Vickers, Steve Cook, Kelly Lerma, Lewis Cook, per- Pearson, Stanislas Lanky and Dan Jumba. Uh, what did you think, Tom? Was was that a, a lineup that you thought would be doing the business for us? Yeah, quite like like the look of it. Um, really good to see Dom leading the line again and uh, Pearson coming in. So, yeah, as long as you know, we were hopeful that it was going to be that back four and Kelly a bit left back. There was obviously always there was a thought in my head that always oh, he's still going to play Stanislas at wing back. But fortunately. We went with a went with the four three three slash four two three one colour system and um yeah it was it was nice. I don't think many people could argue with that. And um it was it was just like I say, it was so such a nice surprise to see Dom lean in that line again. Yeah, great to see uh Dom Solanke back. Didn't expect him to play for as long as he did. Uh, Jeff, the game against Watford is always gonna be uh about the performance that we gave. That's what we felt beforehand rather mm-hmm. than the results. But Woodgate got that pretty spot on, didn't he? Well, third game in a row, let's not forget he matches up to what they're doing. So 
You know, he says he's going to, he's talked a lot about sticking with the same formation for the rest of the season. Let's see how that pans out when we come up against the back five again. Um, actually, the way Watford did shape up, I think suits us better. You know, when they, when the opposition plays a sort of low, low block five at the back sort of system against us, we struggle with creativity, but them playing a more attacking 4 3 3 actually gave us more holes to play with um, going forwards, which was good. And um, yeah, I think it was it was a completely different game to the game at Vicarage Road earlier in the season, where the onus was on us. You know, we had about sixty eight percent possession in that game and and scored in the ninety fifth to equalise. They had one shot on target and scored it in the eleventh minute, I think it was. Whereas this time around, I mean, they still had one shot on target. Let's you know, let's not forget about that. But I think you know we looked a bit more creative going forwards and and uh, yeah you know the team setup i thought was good yesterday and we had a back four and wingers neil i mean that must have been like christmas for you surely yes i know it, it well let's hope like jeff said that that's what we stick with because um we're clearly much better suited to a back four and it was great that we kept a clean sheet so no one no one can say that defensively it affected us moving to a back four um uh, I think we probably are. I do like that block of the three central midfielders. And I think because central midfield is the area we're most blessed in, it makes more sense to overload in that area because we still have Wiltshire and Billing who would walk into a lot of sides in this division, not even able to get on the pitch. So uh, I think that will help. And the, the only thing with the front three is that it doesn't get the best out of Stanislas being on the right. Um, he needs to be on the left where he can cut in and make things happen. But I think he can play on the right, whereas I think Dan Juma would really struggle. Um, and they're very, very similar sort of players in terms of their ability to finish when they're put through on the on the wrong side. So I think that's, his, that's the dilemma he's going to have. If Brooks gets back fully fit and on form, he might be in the position where he has to choose between Dan Juma and Stanislas. But other than that, it's a nice problem to have. And Solanke made a hell of a difference. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they had a lot more of the ball to begin with, but it did feel like, as you've alluded to there, Neil, we were, we were more organised and, and we had a, we had like a kind of figurehead. We did create a few chances, though. Solanke had one, um, getting on the end of um, a few little little scraps there, um, around about seven or eight minutes into the game. And it was good to see Lloyd Kelly getting more involved and, you know, when he has been using the ball, using the ball a bit further up the pitch rather than passing around in our area. Uh, Tom, what did you think of his performance? Yeah, I was really pleased with Lloyd. Um, and I think now is where we've got to go. Lloyd, you're, you're going to be our left back. Do you know what I mean? Let's, um, you know, I, I have I've been critical of him, but I think he's he's been you know very inconsistent this season. But having said that, he's he's changed positions every every game, so I do feel for him in that in that sense. But you know, Bristol City used him as a left back and said he's one of the best left backs, if not the best left back in the division. So. Yeah, we know he can do it, and it was it was really good to see us finally have a good performance from from a left back. But um, yeah, he was he was great. He had that chance, like you say, and um, yeah, it just seemed to seemed to work really well because I think you know we all know that Arnie's not going to give him the, the greatest cover in the world um, on that side. But I felt um, Jeff Lermer and Ben Pearson were, were going over and covering the space when he needed it really well. They were both a really good like kind of protective shield to that defensive unit. So it was. Um, yeah, it was ideal. And from like you say, from minute one, yeah, they had the they had the ball and things like that. But we looked compact, we looked organised, and we looked a threat up the other end. So it was um, it was a good start of the game. I think if Kelly plays like that, he might actually get the ball passed to him by Dan Juma when he does an overlap because mm-hmm. 
there are times I think if Dan, if Dan Juma does pass to him occasionally, and there was one occasion yesterday where he should have passed to him and he didn't, where if he does do that, it will create more space for Dan Juma because the defenders won't be able to predict that he's always going to cut inside. You know, it just if if he can just do that occasionally during a game, I think that will really really help. And Kelly played superbly yesterday. I think his defensive work on the Saar was outstanding. And it was clear that Watford's tactic was to, to create more space, to hug the touchline, uh, to, to kind of pull us apart a bit. Jeff, to you, do they, they look like a team that are going to be up there at the end of the season? You know, are they... Yeah, I think, I, think, I think playing like that, I think they've got a lot more uh, going forward. You know, it was interesting to see the runs that Cleverly and Chalabar were making. Um, that, that I didn't see and haven't seen much from Watford in the previous few seasons, actually, even playing in the Premier League. They just haven't done that, really. Um, but they they looked to have something going forwards. I think we tracked them really well. I think Pearson and Lerma in the middle were outstanding as well. Um, Pearson in particular, some of the blocks he was making on Chalabar were just really, really good reading of the game. And, and, and that sort of teamwork and cohesion, we haven't really been great at. We had Lerma doubling up on uh, Saab with Kelly, which was fantastic. And we had Pearson tracking the runs of their midfielders to, again, stop stop their threat. So we looked comfortable for all their possession. They had probably one or two efforts in that first 20. And it, it reminded me a lot of watching us, actually, against other teams, where we sort of start from a singly and then faded. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah, completely. And... Ben Pearson, not had many opportunities for us, actually, but now he has come in. He now does seem to be fit. He's making a real impact. And we've got a midfield uh, centre three there, Neil. What do you see as their roles, the three of them? Uh, are they doing the same role? Are they doing different roles? What do you think? Um, <clears throat> Pearson was the Pearson and Lerma looked to be sitting um, with Lewis Cook, um, was pressing higher up and getting into the, get, getting into the box. Um, and... Uh, I guess he could dovetail that role with Jack Wiltshire. If Jack Wiltshire can get back onto form. I think Jack Wiltshire would be more creative um, with those little dinked through balls. Um, so I think I think my perfect midfield would probably be Lerma and Pearson holding because I think if you've got those two and Cook and Carter Vickers behind them, that's a that's four players that are really difficult to get through and get past and score. Um, so it's it's a shame because Lewis Cook's an excellent player. It's just does he quite have the creativity in the final third that Wiltshire has? I don't think he does. But I think at the moment, Woodgate doesn't trust Wiltshire's work rate, um, hence why uh, why he's playing. And, and arguably, he might even play Billing ahead of Wiltshire if, say, he, he got injured. So doesn't look doesn't look great for Jack Wiltshire. Who'd have thought we'd have been saying that? But um, I'd love to see him get back onto that level of form. But what a great... Um, fact that we can debate which of the five should play and make a case for all of them because that's going to all go well with suspensions and uh, because Lerma will get suspended too um, and uh, obviously Jack Wilshire is now suspended so it's great that we've got those options. I think most fans going into half time uh, Tom were pretty happy with how it went. How did you feel when you went off for your half time break? Yeah I was happy to to see the kind of level and fighting desire and the, the organisation looked a lot better, uh, like we've alluded to a few times, that that protection of, of Pearson and Lerma made us made us really difficult to get in behind. So I was happy with that. I just felt we needed to just do a little bit more on the ball. Um, we looked we looked brilliant off it, but I felt if we're going to win this game, we just need to find find a little something when we got the ball. Um, and that, that was it, really. But 
Yeah, it's interesting. I've seen um, since the the only other game that we had less possession than the opposition was when we beat Norwich. So it's uh, you know it's all right having the ball. It's what you do with it. And um, I think, like uh, Jeff said earlier, sometimes when we come up against them teams that just sit back and ask us to do questions, that's where we we struggle a little bit. But um, you know, like we've said here, that the you can still keep that protective shield of. Um, Pearson and Lerma, you could just switch out Lewis Cook, like I said, to a, to a Wilshire, to a Billing, to maybe give us a little bit more from an offensive standpoint. But yeah, at half time, I was happy. I was um, pleasantly surprised with how, you know, scrappy we looked. We scrapped really well and um, didn't really look like conceding. It was just about hoping for a bit of Arnie magic or, or Stan in the second half. I think the, uh, the the energy from Adam Smith was really good on that right-hand side as well. You know, we talked about Kelly and, and Kelly at a cracking effort that uh, the keeper saved. But I thought Smith created some space, I think, for Stanislas and he weaves into the box and nearly, nearly creates something but falls over. That sort of work from the fullbacks is what we need. Even when we play when we play in a back four, I think when we play the back five, we're sometimes too comfortable to have the extra man in front of the opposition that they don't make those runs enough, and they they really put a lot of energy into it. Both both Smith and Kelly, I think that was arguably the best best performances from both this season. Previously, so at the end of the last game, Woodgate talked about you can't win always playing pretty football, and we, we've seen our defensive unit clearing the ball a lot more nil. Are we starting to see now? Woodgate's coaching coming in, some of the things yeah. that he wants us to do? Yes. So there was a number of times yesterday when, when we were closed down, we just lumped it into a channel. Uh, and uh, I think um, Solanke offers potentially the ability to do that more because he's slightly better at, slightly quicker than Surridge um, as a central forward. Uh, and yeah, there were, there were a number of occasions yesterday where um, watching it, you could clearly see that John, uh, Jonathan Woodgate is not going to get doesn't want to get caught out by another Chris Mappen moment. And uh, it, when we did pass it around the back, it was when we weren't under threat. Um, and then when we, as soon as we were under threat, we went more direct. And I guess with with the players that we've got, that's probably the correct thing to do. So I, think, I think it's only really Steve Cook that still looks comfortable playing the old Bournemouth way. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Uh, Jeff, second half, we came out. There were some great chances, actually, that, that we managed to somehow create Dan Juma had a, a bit more joy as well uh, a couple of chances there can you can you talk us through the best bits of Dan Juma there for you Jeff the best bits of Dan Juma uh, there were times in that second half where you thought every time he's got that left full back one-on-one he's got him on toast and in fact they were doubling up on him and he was still beating beating him and beating the next person and looked a real threat it was almost like the confidence of keeping a clean sheet and playing well in that first half gave us the belief. You can imagine the halftime team talk far from being right. We've got to actually start to man up and compete against this lot, which it would have been on Wednesday was actually, we've shown we can compete with them. Now let's beat them. Now let's show them what we can do. And I, I thought the way we came out, the way Dan Juma came out and played in that second half, um, should have possibly could have scored twice before he did score. The the keeper makes a great save and there's a fantastic block where you think that's going in or going to Solanke across the goal to tap in. So really, really, really pleased. Although I did think, although his two chances, will he get a third? Um, because he's got that ruthlessness where you think though that he should have scored twice already, actually. Yeah, completely. But it, 
we, you know, we've obviously got our biases here and we were playing a bit better uh, and doing really well, but it wasn't all one-way traffic, was it, Tom? Cleverly had a, a really comfortable-looking side foot, all, you know, just a tap-in, really. But Beggs comes to the rescue again. Yeah, always, doesn't he? Yeah, we always uh, rely on Begovic to do his job. He's, he's been brilliant that all season, hasn't he, when, when called upon? We can always rely on him, which is, you know, I think we haven't really spoken about because they only had the one shot on target, but he was still there to stop it, as you say. And yeah, there was definitely a bit more attacking intent from us. I think, as Jeff said, I think the the more the game went on, we seemed to think, right, we've, we've got a hold of them here. We look organised, we look compact and we can maybe take a few more risks on the counter attack now. And um, like Neil said as well, we weren't trying to just play in front of them. We were thinking, let's turn them because Arnie's got the beating of them there. So let's get it in the channels. Let's try and turn them. We don't need to play in front of them all the time and let them get back and get organised. Let's try and get in behind. And um, yeah, Arnie seemed to grow more as the game went on. But um, yeah, they had, they had a few half chances. But I felt, like I said, we just we just looked a little bit more organised. I wasn't, it was, the concern was, will we nick a goal? I was never really concerned that they would get in behind. We looked um, we looked very organised, which was, which, yeah, credit to, credit to Woodgate. We, we looked a lot more um, set up well as a unit. And then we came to uh, Neil. I've saved this especially for you, uh, Jeff. The Jeff Lerma incident, as it's being coined, um, it varied opinions on this. I watched the the show, the, the Quest Channel show, and, and they they were very much of the opinion that uh, Jeff was looking for a free piggyback ride there, and the other guy was just trying to wiggle him off. Can can you talk me through what you saw, Neil? Uh, <clears throat> well, he he uh, yeah, I mean. If we're going to be brutally honest about it, he he jumps on the guy's back and then the guy in flipping him off flicked his flipped his hand against Jeff's face. Now, a man that grew up in Colombia um, and playing for the Colombian national team in central midfield as a ball winner um, does does not collapse when his face is flicked um, because of pain. Uh, so uh, he saw the opportunity, um, like any great shithouser, when to get any form of contact to maximize that contact and that's exactly what he did um but that's been done to us on many occasions um, particularly in the premier league um and do i like it not really but it exists and um so yeah but that that glancing blow was not enough to put a six foot three colombian onto the ground in agony no still could have gone because he's, he still could have gone in the fact that he raised his arm. Yeah, 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 of course he could, yeah. yeah. So they probably got, a, you know, as much as I totally appreciate why they're not happy with, with Jeff. Let's, you know, he he was pretty pretty lucky because, you know, VAR or something, he's gone because he's raised his arm. But, um, oh, I don't know, I think that looked really painful for Jeff, bless him. I'm glad he was all right. I think the referee created a problem for himself with the way he managed that incident twofold. Number one, the free kick should have been Watford's, irrespective of whether Chalabar slaps Jeff and he falls to ground like that. It should have been Watford's free kick, and it wasn't. Um, secondly, he should have sent Chalabar off because he did touch Lerma in the face. Probably should have booked Lerma for overreacting. Did neither of those things. In fact, we get the free kick, and what happens from the free kick? So, the, and actually, that probably stirred up a lot of the trouble that blew up in the 90th minute because the ref had got that completely wrong. Um, so... I can understand why Watford fans were um, exploding, self-combusting even, with that. Yeah, I think you're right there, Jeff. I mean, if, if VAR had been there, we could have seen a player sent off, another player yellow-carded, a free kick given in, in the opposite way, and, and no goal. So 
just shows you, doesn't it, you know, the good and bad of, of that technology. But the goal did happen, uh, and it was a simple, just a really simple ball over the top from that free kick. Um, have you celebrated a goal like that this season? Tom, have you, have, you know, because for me, that I was up. I was, I, you know, that was my favourite goal we've scored in a weird kind of way. Yeah, it feels, it feels like a like a while since I've even celebrated a goal, to be fair. Um, but yeah, it was nice. I think part, uh, the whole part of that kind of, you know, with the, with the decision for the free kick and stuff, it seemed to, they, they were all over the place. They were really frustrated and we just, we took advantage of that and really caught them cold. Um, and, you know, with Arnie's pace and that and whether he, looked like he kind of maybe was looking to cut it to Solanke and then it was kind of a half shot and it went on the keeper's legs really nice. Um, he looked buzzing. You could see from the reaction of the players, couldn't you? They were absolutely buzzing, because, <clears throat> which says a lot, because I think they, they could see, like we could, that we're, we're shutting these out. You know, we're, we're looking really organised, like we've said. It's just about getting that goal. And when they got it, you could almost sense from the players, they thought, we've got it in us to keep a clean sheet here. That's, that's a match winner. And they almost knew that straight away. And um, like we had something to, to hold on to now. And that was really good. And it was really good to see all the boys buzzing with a goal and look like a bit of togetherness, which was really nice to see. But um, yeah, just as you uh, feel like, you know, oh, these these lot have been frustrating me for God knows how long now. They brought it back and they? they brought me back in, sucked me back in and I loved them all again. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a really nice moment. And after that point, Neil, you, you would be forgiven for thinking that, especially with Jonathan Woodgate being a defender as a professional, that we would just sit back then. But there was more to it than that. And we did have a few more chances, as did Watford. Um, could this game have ended with a different scoreline, do you think, quite easily? Yeah. I mean, um, anyone nil can, can't it? So uh, it, there's, always a, there's always a huge slice of luck in, in any game. Um, and, uh, you know, like we said, Begovic, Begovic was good. I think they did they miss a clear cut chance as well. I'm trying to remember, trying to remember it back in my head. I think. Did they have one that they fired over or wide, or that, that potentially they could have done more with? But the but yeah, one nil. It's um, any one nil game. You can look back on a series of incidents as to why it could have been any number of scores um, between either of the sides. But uh, I think the, the main thing yesterday it wasn't it wasn't the vintage performance. It, 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 but what it was was that we 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 just saw a bit of cohesion and team spirit that we've not seen. Um, well, we've seen glimpses of in the past 24 months, probably, haven't we? So that, that was that's the main thing. Was I started to see, like Tom said, I started to like the side again. I started to I started to see a pattern that could work. And um, obviously, we've got a, some tough tests coming up, as I'm sure we'll talk about. But if we're only talking about yesterday, it was just great to see that. Talk about us celebrating the goal. When was the last time you saw the players celebrate a goal like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. I yeah, mean that, that 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 I thought spoke volumes. You know, there was there was genuine feeling out there that they wanted to win that game, and whether that was playing Watford, you know, whether we were up for it because it's a, a familiar foe, uh, whether we thought that it was because it's a team that's that's worthy of us competing against, you know, because they they were Premier League like us last season. I, I hope it wasn't. I, I th I'd like to think it was more. They they've they've sat down. They've sorted out some of the issues and they've decided this is what we're going to go for and they've decided they're going to go for it. Yeah. And I think you're, you're right, Neil. There was a, a chance by Saar that they blaze, blaze wide. Do you remember that yeah. correctly? Then I looked over, Jeff, and looking at the bench there, I could see Jack Wilshire. But then for Watford, I could see Dan Gosling getting ready to come on. How did that feel, seeing him stood there in a Watford shirt ready to come onto the pitch? So 
I was mulling over what's going through Gozzi's mind. Is he going to think, oh, Bournemouth really need the win, so I'm not really going to try? Or am I going to be really up for this? And actually, he, he was probably more up for it than, than was healthy for him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I thought it might cause this problem, but actually it, it all sort of panned out all right, I think. You know, we, we sort of stuck in there and it didn't matter what subs what subs they brought. And in fact, I thought the subs didn't really change it that much for them. They didn't really go for us. There was no sort of siege. Like, again, going back to that Vicarage Road game, you know, we, we had them on the rack for that last 20 minutes. I mean, you thought when we did score that we kind of deserved that equaliser. For them, I didn't think they really deserved an equaliser because they, they didn't put us any un, under any sustained pressure. It was almost like they didn't really want the draw. Yeah, and uh, you're right. On, on the pitch, they didn't really change a lot to, to go for us. Uh, in terms of football, in terms, but at the end of the game, Tom, hmm. what happened there? Yeah, there's a few little bags, weren't there at the end? Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think when, like, like, like we said there with the subs and stuff, it was it was odd because um, they had to take Chalibur off because Jeff had beaten him in terms of winding him up too much and he could have got sent off. And they bought a player of Dan Gosling, who, don't get me wrong, he pops up with the odd goal, he'll show a bit of fight, but he ain't got first touch, so he wasn't going to keep the ball well for him, was he? So I wasn't that that concerned. In hindsight, it's easy to say because you always worry that an ex-player is going to come back and score. But yeah, it all kicked off again. Um, they were, you know, let, let's be real, as much as Lerma was a shit out all game, they they targeted him. And whether that was Goslin saying to him or, you know, and a bit of them knowing what, what Lerma's reputation is, they targeted him. They failed him all game. Um, and they were trying to wind him up all game. And um they went in that uh, Pedro one that just just felt you know oh, I'm going to leave him, leave one in on there. Obviously, it really hurt Jeff, and he went rolling down again. Um, which you know who can blame him? I do exactly the same. You know we're trying to run the clock down as well. And then um, it, yeah, it was pretty clear they they thought here he goes again, and Gosling comes steaming over, and they're you know trying to trying to wind us up a bit. But you know Begovic come out, and they all they all got involved. It was it was nice to see, and um, yeah, Wilshire took it a step too far, but. Um, just a lot of pushing and shoving one there is what it is. But um it was it was nice to see and the whole time Lerma was just stood there smiling. It was it was brilliant. I said to I said to Jeff above me earlier that it's not my favourite Jeff anymore. Oh, that's <laughs> devastated. You've still, got, you've still got the rest of the season to work back in the favour, Jeff. I know. Neil, we sort of alluded to this a little bit earlier on, but are we now a dirty side? What Watford think we are, or is it we just turn up to play like that when we play them? I think, well, the one point I did want to make is, um, before we talk about that, is I do think that, that that may be a turning point for the season, that scrap. Sometimes you need something with a group of people that are very disparate and that didn't, have a, didn't seem to have a lot of spirit. Sometimes you need a focal point that they can rally behind. And I think psychologically, the fact that they all got together and had a right good scrap, and afterwards, adrenaline would have been massively high. They'll be talking about this in training on Monday. Um, it may not be the last we've seen of Watford, remember, because there's a chance that we may play them again this season a couple of times. Um, I, I, I think that psychologically that scrap was could potentially be more important than we think. And while you would never advocate a 22-man brawl, it might actually help us, that 22-man brawl. What was your question? <laughs> on the uh the pod the excellent podcast by the way and i do recommend this is not often i do this but any cherries fans out there have a little listen to like the first 20 minutes of, of uh, from the rookery end the watford 
podcast. They on there are, are saying that we are the, the, the dirtiest team, essentially, in the world to them. Uh, are we a dirty side, Neil, or is this just a game that we, a part of our game that we bring out when we play Watford? I don't think we're we're not a dirty we're not a dirty side. I think we're uh, I think we've always been a bit of a shit housing side. If we're to be honest, we've always had players that are excellent, like Smith, Pugh, Callum Wilson. We've never had players like that at Bournemouth in my years of watching them that know how to win free kicks and penalties and fouls and wind the opposition up. And I think what we've added to that in signing people like Jeff Lerma and Ben Pearson, who again were not players, you know, we, that we apart from Harry Arter. We've not really seen players that we're happy to take regular bookings. Uh, Pearson's obviously come in. Jack Wilshire's got a bit of spirit and fight to him, as we saw yesterday. So I think we've just we've just switched it now and assembled a, 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 a few. Even Shane Long was getting winding people up at the end of the game. I think we've just put put a few hardened professionals in, and I think Jonathan Woodgate's very different to Eddie Howe. So he does an awful lot of swearing on the touchline, uh, and I just think. We, just things are shifting slightly, but I wouldn't say we're a dirty side, no. But we're becoming dirtier. It's all master of the dark arts, aren't we? Sorry, Jeff. Well, I was going to say it's all gamesmanship, you know. And unfortunately, gamesmanship is part of the game. And yesterday, there there were incidents that, as a fan of football, I, I'm not happy. But it it's part of the fabric of the game. Do you remember when we played Middlesbrough this season, you know, up at their place, they were falling over all the time and you get so frustrated. And when you're, when you're one nil down, those kinds of incidents, they just really irritate you, whether you're a fan, whether you're a player and it happens. It's happening in the Premier League all the time. It happens in the championship now all the time. I mean, Cardiff, that right back for Cardiff the other night, NG or whatever his name was. I mean, geez, you know, he was falling over all the time and then kicking and not getting booked by the ref. It was like, what, what is going on with, with players like that? I was getting frustrated watching him. I'm sure Watford fans feel that, uh, that we were um, playing on the edge of the rules yesterday and, you know, one game of the season, maybe we did. However, it happens a lot. Get over it. You do it to us. If you were one 0 up, you'd do exactly the same. Yes, yeah, part and parcel of the game. I think I know when I'm in the in the stadium, for example. You, if you're winning one 0 and your goalkeeper starts time wasting, you're going way. And when their goalkeeper starts time wasting, I'm going absolutely ballistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ref, yeah, sort yeah. it out. Part of the game. And at the end of the day, if you if you overstep the mark, then that's why you got a referee. You'll send them off, won't it? So and, and I, what I what I do object to is Watford fans claiming the moral high ground. They never do that. No. Nah. Half the problem yesterday was Chalabar and Cleverly were trying to get Lerma booked yep. all through the game. So don't give me this kind of high and mighty, oh, we're we're pristine. We never do that sort of thing. Come on. Troy Deeney as well. Troy Deeney, they missed him yesterday because he'd have, he'd have loved he'd have loved that. But they he he manages referees throughout an entire game. He's he never ever is is further than 20 yards away from a referee's ear whenever we play them. And he's constantly commentating to the referee about what what's going on. And I think I think had he played yesterday, uh, it it might have been. It, I think we might have had a couple of players potentially sent off earlier because he would have led the winding up. So, yeah, the fact yeah. is, the, the fact is, they've they've come out with a with a game plan to wind Jefferson Lerma up. What we're we supposed to do? Just accept it 
and just let them wind you up. So, you know, Lerma's going to go, all right, then I'll, I'll, you know, I'll do my dark arts, if you know what I mean. And yeah. it's part and parcel of the game. And, um, yeah, ev- everyone will do it over the course of a season, you know, when you're running down the clock. And the fact is, you know, a bit of time wasted out from Jack Wilshire ultimately ended up getting him sent off. So, you know, you can't... The first time we time wasted with Jack Wilshire, the ref ran over and gave him a yellow card. So, you know, the ref, ref done his bit, you know, because Jack was clearly taking forever with a throw and he got a yellow card. Ultimately, that conspired to helping him get sent off as well. So... Yeah, yeah, whatever. I like that phrase, uh, Tom, mar- you know, mastering the dark arts there. And we, in fact, you know, Watford fans just thank us. We've given them Dan Gosling. I mean, he, he's, he's no apprentice, is he? I mean, he'll be, he'll be getting them points, I'm sure, throughout the rest of the season by, you know, practising the dark arts. Yeah, no, he um, and he was, he was part of that as well. You know, I'm telling you, when he, he would have probably said to him, wind Jeff Lerma up, you yeah, know, I know what he's like. And then... When it was all kind of kicking off, you could see him over to the ref and talk to people. He's saying, "I know what you're like." He's 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 getting them, he's getting them going as well because he he knows the players. They would have been asking him, you know, you know these players inside out. So um, yeah, they've he's he would have helped them towards that as well. Just you know, both both teams were trying bits and bobs, and we we won on the day. We won on the day, and um, we both had a player sent off, and really they they probably should have had one more sent off. So. You know, it's what it is. But how, Jefferson Lerma, by the way, didn't get booked yesterday. And I just think that is, that's something that is absolutely gold. How did he not get booked? Brilliant. It's brilliant. Um, and it does fill me with, with absolute joy as well. But Jeff, how did you feel at the final whistle? Absolutely ecstatic after that. Because we needed the win. More than that, we needed a performance. You know, we'd beaten, uh, we'd beaten Birmingham. We'd beaten Rotherham, but that felt like a proper victory, a proper performance and something that you can actually build on because uh, we have got two tough away games coming up, a resurgent Bristol City and a long way north to Preston, which won't be pleasant. They beat us at our place, so they'll be looking for the double. And and I thought yesterday was was something, it's almost like in the heat of battle, they bonded and that's great. And you, Neil, how did you feel? I mean, would you have taken that performance if it ended up as a, as a, a yeah. 1-1 or a 0-0? All, all I've ever wanted to see uh, um, is uh, uh, that there were not a disparate bunch of overpaid um, mercenaries that have picked a club for a payday. That's all I ever wanted us to do because that, that just loses my love for them. Um, so yesterday I thought, no, I, I, it was the performance mattered more, far more than the result. And I saw... I saw actually that they wanted to do well. And Tom, we talked about in the season when when Jason Tindall uh, got the job about what the what the aims were from Mr. Demon, and then only what a week ago, two weeks ago, we were talking about well, is that achievable anymore? What, what do you think is achievable now? We're going into this Bristol City game. What what can we expect? It's madness. That's that's what football does, and that you just you just look at the performances and just think god we'll get we'll be bloody lucky to get in the playoffs and then yesterday i found myself after the game looking at the results going is second that far away it's that's what it's what football does isn't it but um yeah no i think you know we've got to try and i, I think if, if we're realistic i think it will be very very difficult to get the in the top two but we just got to try and you know it's cliche but like woodgate's been saying ever since he he took charge and you know, temporary or permanent we just got to look at the next game you can't look too far ahead just look at the next game and try and try and get a result it's it's weird. I was looking at the fi- fixtures not long ago and dreading them. And now I'm thinking, probably better. Because I think in hindsight now, you think that was the perfect game for us, Watford. You know, get a bit of fire in the bellies, do you know what I mean? Scrap a win. And 
And you know what a Nigel Pearson side is going to be like. Quite similar. And they're going to want to battle. They're going to want to scrap. And, and we know we can do that side of the game now. And we've, we also should should think that if we win, the, win our individual battles, we've got more quality than most teams in this division. So we should have enough to get, to get the job done. And it's really nice that, that we look like we've got a good base and a good platform to build on. We look like a team that we're not going to crumble and we're not going to concede too many goals. We, if we cut them errors out, individual errors like we did yesterday, we've, we've always got a goal in us with the quality we got on the football pitch at the end of the day. Um, you know, Dan Jim's a prime example. He can wind you up for, for 85 minutes, but you keep him on the pitch because you know he can provide a moment of magic. So, yeah, it was. Um, I'm a bit more... Bit more positive now going to the city game, but it's, it's, it'd be a really good one because they're they're absolutely flying. So um, they'll certainly be be thinking they can win as well. So um, yeah, it'd be a be a real interesting one. Happy days, I think. What do you think, gents? What what are the odds on uh, Bournemouth Watford playoff final? Oh, I'd love it. I'd love it. They wouldn't know how to cope. Yeah, I think if it if it stopped now, it would be, wouldn't it? I think they're third and we're we're sixth, so it would be. So I I, I mean I'd take that because it'll it'll rile them up and. They won't mm. like it. So, um, yeah, but I think it was a good point Neil made as well. I think it would be bloody interesting if um, Troy Deeney had played because, like you say, he's, he's a master of all that. So they, they probably missed him missed him yesterday. But, yeah, it was the it's, it feels like a, when you've got like an on and off relationship with, with a girlfriend, you know what I mean? You break, you break it up, you're going on little mini breaks, but, you know, you love her and you're sticking by her and then you think, you know what, that's it. I've had enough. I can't do it anymore. And they just, just sum it, just brings you back and... I love them again and uh, I believe in them all again. And uh, they were fighting for the shirt and yeah, it was yeah, mad. But that's that's why we love football and really, really pleased for them all yesterday because they, they've won the fans back really quickly. And um, we just got on, hopefully, end of the season, we'll look back and go, do you remember that Watford game? That really kick-started us, didn't it? And um, Woodgate, I'm buzzing for Woodgate as well. Really, really good. So here's a question for you. If you had a choice and we met them in a playoff final, would you rather win... Play, playing amazing football 5-0 or would you rather win with a dived blatant penalty that we shouldn't have got in the 93rd minute 1-0? Is it against Watford you said? Yeah. <laughs> 93rd minute penalty dive. Yeah. Against <laughs> <laughs> Watford? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, oh, there'll be a nuclear bloody explosion in <laughs> What? But there is, isn't there? There's, there's, a couple, there's, there's ways to win a football match, and you all want to see like this amazing football, and you know, blow yeah. teams away. We've only done it a few times this season, but kind of there were spells in like the Birmingham first game and commentary and things like that. We played amazing football, but I felt like yesterday we needed that type of win. Not only yeah. was it Watford, take that. We needed that type of win because we know we've got players that can play football, but we wanted to see that togetherness, that will to win, that fight and desire for the fans. It was literally that. It sounds silly because we scraped the one nil. But that's exactly what we needed. That's mm-hmm. what the fans needed to see. So it was bang on yesterday. And oh, it'll be amazing if it was a, a dive and a penalty. But oh, I'd love it. I'd imagine that fans back as well at Wembley or something and beating Watford. Oh, it'd be a dream. It's actually a really, really good point. And because other games where we've won and we've got a, a sort of a bigger score line, you could argue, well, did those teams turn up? What Watford turned up? You know, this. this yeah, and Anna on a great run of form. Watford on a fantastic run of form. I think, was it you, Tom, that tweeted they were first in the form table? Yeah, we were 21st before yeah. the game. Yeah, they were top. Yeah, I think, was it, was it four or five in a row or something? Um, so them and Cardiff are the informed yeah. teams and we played them both in a week. Yeah, exactly. And then I think Bristol City will be up there now over the, over a really short yeah. period, obviously since Pearson come in. So, um, 
And yeah. I think it was a beat card if we played that formation yesterday. With yeah, I, I think so. I, I was just going to say, Neil, I think if we'd have played like that, we'd have beaten Cardiff. Um, it, it helps having Pearson in that midfield. He's just got he's just got a way of reading the game that is so helpful, where a lot of players might get caught ball watching. He's, he's on it and he's, he's there ahead of the opposition and makes it look easy what he does by breaking up the play. It was so good yesterday. There's not a great sample size, but that was another good stat. We haven't conceded a goal when Ben Pearson's been playing. Um, and he does give that. And I think that's a lot of things. I, I watched a few little Watford kind of previews and stuff uh, from their fans. And their, their midfield's been winning them games in terms of Will Hughes, Chalibur, and um, who's the other one? Will Hughes, Chalibur, Cleverly. and Cleverly. Cleverly, yeah. They've been bossing games. And we they all said it afterwards. They all said they won the battle in there. And then their two wide men have been killing people. And like uh, I think Jeff alluded to earlier, our fullbacks deserve a lot of praise as well because they nullified them. They didn't do anything. Uh, they're two of the best wingers in the league. So, yeah, we won our individual battles and as a collective, got the job done brilliantly. So it was a uh, spot on, wasn't it? Spot on. Hi, I'm Dan Goslin and you're listening to Back of the Net. Superb stuff from the lads and you'll be pleased to hear that they hung around for a 10-minute player rating show. If you want to watch it, by the way, it's on YouTube youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast but who scored well and who didn't I can't wait to hear Jeff Lerma's score as well let's see what the guys say Neil we'll start with you Asmir Begovic I mean to be fair he was relatively untroubled but he did make one big save in the game so um yeah a little chat on Begovic and a rating for him uh, yeah so uh, handled well kept a clean sheet one fantastic stop um and uh, model of consistency, uh, I'll give him a seven. Yeah, I think that's fair. Seven out of ten for for Asmir Begovic. Like you say, he was quite he was quite comfortable on the day, but he still always does his job expertly. Um, going into back four, which we were buzzing about, uh, Adam Smith at right back. Jeff, I thought the full backs were brilliant yesterday. What did you think of Smithy? Yeah, I thought Smithy and uh, Kelly were both excellent. Best best game of the season, really, for for Adam Smith. Back to back to his best in terms of energy levels uh, up and down that right flank kept uh, kept the Watford right flank very quiet indeed I would give him an 8 yesterday. 8 out of 10 Adam Smith, couldn't agree more brilliant again, great to see him back and that energy still there. Um, I'll do CCV Cameron Carter-Vickers and I just love him what I'm seeing from him don't get me wrong, he's not Nathan Ake but it feels like we've added someone into centre-half like when we, we added Ake and Love us to sign this guy. Um, I might even go a little bit higher. You know, I'm going to give him a nine. I'm going to give Carter Vickers a nine. I think he's added a lot to the team. Really, really good. Tigsy, I will obviously be giving you the leader, Stevie Cook, and he was excellent. Him and him and Carter Vickers, real partnership at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, fantastic little partnership that they've put together. Um, I can't really knock his performance at all. And to lead us through that game, I, I'm, I've given him sort of an extra there. Uh, I can't give him a half mark, so I'm going to have to bring him up to where CCV is, and I'm going to give him a nine as well. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that that centre half pairing was so good yesterday; they deserve kind of top ratings. And um, another one that been very critical of of Lloyd Kelly this season, Neil, but he's got in at left back, and I think he probably should just be told you're the left back now, and because he was he was much better, wasn't he? He was. Um, that's the best game I think I've seen him play at left back. Not so much for his attacking work, but his defensive work against Saar, who is a Premier League uh, 
wide man um, uh, for sure was superb and he did also spend time joining in the attack which pushed Saar back as well so uh, I were, I'm not as generous as you guys but I'll give him an eight eight for nil. yeah I, I, I thought you'd be a little bit a little bit more reserved than nil I think that's fair cool. but no I think if in terms of other performances you think oh Kelly 10 but really that's kind of what we expect from him so uh, that was good to see I uh, probably played a little bit more advanced than normal Jeff Lewis Cook but um He's probably, because of the performances of players around him, probably getting overlooked a little bit. But I thought in general, his work was really good. Yeah, I thought he did really well. I think I think it, it's unusual for him to play that advanced role. You know, he's been playing the, the kind of uh, defensive midfield quarterback role almost this season. But yesterday, most advanced role. I thought he did a really good job on Hughes, um, actually just, just sort of sitting on him. And whenever he got the ball, closing him down that far up the field, which made a big difference to to stopping their attacks at source and getting a lot of fouls off him, which was also good. So I would give him a seven, maybe not as creative as as some of uh, some of the players you want to see there, but did OK, I thought. Yeah, I think that's bang on. Just done his job really well without doing a lot when he had the ball. Um, I've got to do Ben Pearson. And I mean, what a player. I'm, I'm so happy. We said a little stat earlier that... Um, He's kind of, we haven't conceded when he's been on the pitch. And I just love what he brings. I hope he's all right because he uh, had a bit of cramp in his ankle and stuff like that. He's had a few injuries this season, but he's brilliant. I love him. Um, I love everything he brings. And I think he's, he can, if he can stay in that role and stay fit, that's going to be a massive, massive bonus for us. Um, I'm going to give Pearson a nine. If I gave Carter Vickers a nine, I've got to give Pearson a nine. He's got to be in with a shout for man of the match as well. Um, you're very lucky, Tiggs. I'm giving you the main man. Jefferson Lerma. Oh, I mean, tried to sum that up. What a performance! Do you know what? Some some football games are won on the pitch, and some football games are won in the head, aren't they? And I think Lerma did a wonderful job of getting into everyone's head. Um, so not only was his performance a, a combative one, and he was up and down, and he formed that brilliant little partnership as well with Pearson. Just the fact that he wound them all up, and I know this is going to upset any Watford fans that are, that are uh, seeing this, but. You know, I'm I'm struggling here between the nine and a ten just because he walked off that pitch without a yellow card as well. Go on, do it. <laughs> I do it. Yeah, do it. Go on. I'm gonna ten it. Ten. Ten for Jeff. Oh, I love it. I think if he was a nine, he tweeted after the game and it made him a ten anyway, didn't it? Absolute <laughs> legend. What we needed. Um Neil, we said earlier Junior Stanislas, definitely not as effective on that right hand side, but at the moment, he's doing a job out there for us. And I still think he, he provides a bit of magic. And he, him and Smith, he's still done well down that side, I thought. Yeah. So, he, I think what he, he'll do a tidy role on the right. He's less of a game changer uh, than when he plays on the left. Uh, so, he won't maybe score as many as we saw Danjuma um, sneak in for that goal. Uh, it, less likely to happen when you're playing on your right foot on the right wing. You're more likely to be crossing and providing than you are scoring or doing, you know, a game changing passes, but he did it. He did it well. He tracked back well, as he always does. Um, so a solid seven for Stan. Yeah, I think that's fair. Bag on the seven for Stan. Uh, Jeff, I'll let you go. Dom Solanke, who um, was back, really nice surprise to see him back, leading the line. And um, yeah, he just gave, gives us a bit more than he when we got him up there. He does. Uh, ahead of schedule as well. I expected to see him on the bench, but not in the starting lineup. And he, he made a big difference. It was it was almost uh, 
Um, the way that he brings other players into the game was was good. Yesterday he was holding up the ball really well. He did one amazing uh, bit of skill in that first half where he beat two Watford players when you thought, hang on, he's got no space there. And he just sort of shows what good feet he's got. The feet of Iniesta even were on display. Um, just just fantastic to have him back. If he Again, if he can stay injury-free, I think he'll be really important in the run-in. I'll give him a seven yesterday. Seven for Dawn, but yeah, I think when we get him up to, to fitness, that's going to be key, having him lead the line. And I get to do Arnie. Well, happy with that. Um, Arnie, I've said it before, he just frustrates you for 90% of the game and then provides a bit of magic. He's done this, you know, before early parts of the season, gets out of a hole. And I think definitely, you know, when you're playing the way we were yesterday, you need someone with a bit of magic to, to get you the goal. And um, love that from Arnie. And uh, the more the game went on, the more he caused them problems. And he was he was involved every time we went forward. So I think because he was the match winner, I'm gonna gonna give him a nine. I'm gonna give Arnie a nine because he was the match winner at the end of the day. Buzzing for him. And uh they won uh they weren't on long, but Tiggsy, I'll give you Jack Wilshire because he was on for about fifteen minutes before he got sent off. I mean, obviously we're gonna miss him for a game, but um I was still quite happy with him because he he time wasted and shit housed a little bit. So uh what do you reckon of Jack? Yeah, you know, I if it was in the newspaper, he'd get a, get a pretty low rating for that, for the red card. But um, I think I can imagine for Jack being sat on that bench, watching that game, watching how it was all kind of building and building and building. He was probably just so excited to get on, on the pitch and get involved. And he showed himself as, as part of the team, part of the part of the gang, uh, which is great to see. I've calmed myself down a little bit. I saw Neil's raised eyebrow when I, when I was pulling out the 10s earlier. So I've calmed myself down a little bit. <laughs> I'm going uh, to give Wiltshire uh, a seven, I think. Just because of the fact that he was he he formed part of that strong team unit on the pitch, you know, sticking up for everyone. Yeah, no, why not? Eh? We can't we can't go lower than the seven for anyone, can't we? After just beating Watford one 0 so yeah, no, I think um, I mean I think that might be one of the first tens I think of the of the season for Jeff Lerma. So it shows maybe we do quite like the dark hearts here at Bournemouth. But um, great to get back to winning ways, won it, and we'll bounce back and hopefully we can see that fighting desire on Wednesday. But um, Cheers, guys. Uh, great, to, great to be back the winning ways and smiles on our faces and oh, tens pulled out from Tigsy. That's what you would love to see. And uh, yeah, let's let's bring it on. Let's let's see that that fight, that desire, that organisation, that spirit from the boys on Wednesday because it's going to be a, a battle against the Nigel Pearson side. So probably the type of game that, that we could do with having. I think we look in hindsight and Watford was a game we needed. We needed the boys to come together and, and scrap a win out of the bag. So Suddenly, from thinking, oh, I'd be surprised if we get in the playoffs. Now I'm dreaming of beating Watford at Wembley. Have a good one, guys. Up cherries. Absolutely love it. Amazing stuff. Thank you very much to the boys. Superb stuff. Now, Jeff and Neil, they've been busy on the interview hunt. So much stuff is coming your way, I've got to say. So... One of the ones they did on Sunday night I thought was excellent, actually. Really absorbing. A person that was much revered as a player, not so much as a manager. Now, as a manager, he brought in Super Fletch. But whilst his purposeful style of football wasn't to the taste of many Cherries fans, were there factors beyond his control which contributed to his brand of football? The whole thing will be coming your way in the next few weeks on this podcast. As I said, you can watch it online. But here's a taster of that Tony Pulis interview from the YouTube channel. When I was at Bournemouth, you know, people mong and groaned, and rightly so, supporters got to do what they got to do, and it'll be the style of football, it'll be this, that and the other. Who's one of my best friends down in Bournemouth? Norman Haywood. 
Mm. I worked my socks off for the club and for Norman. Norman was in charge of that football club. And I did everything I possibly could to look after Norman. That was the big thing for me. And was Joe, was Joe Parkinson your best signing for Bournemouth? Yeah, in, in, in lots of... I'll tell you a great story about that one, Neil. Um, the, man, the, the manager at, uh, at Wigan at the time, Dave Philpotts, I think. It was, was it Dave? I think it was Dave Philpotts at the time. Um, I'd rung Dave up and there was another midfield player there that had been recommended. And he said to me, now, the best player at this football club is Joe Parkinson by a country mile. So we played, I think we played Wigan last game of the season um, at our place, my first year in management. And Joe, I think Joe was part of that and was absolutely outstanding. But he was out of contract. I'd been told he was out of contract. Anyway, we went to a tribune, went up to Walsall, took Norman up there. Um, and Wigan had changed managers. Um, I'm just trying to think of the manager they changed. He's quite a well-known manager or, or a person, player. Um, we managed to wangle it, Jeff, over a, over the the hearing that that you know that they'd offered him next to nothing, which they couldn't afford to offer him anymore anyway. Um, we were only going to offer him a little bit more, but we were going to give him uh, because he'd had a couple of injuries, Joe, as well. We were going to give him extra years. Um, we managed to get him for twenty grand, and I'll never forget. We walked downstairs at Walsall's brand new stadium, that that the the, the Bescott Stadium, with Norman behind me, and Norman says. £20,000? Are you sure? Do you think he's really that good? What did you sell him for, Tony? Robbed, yeah. just robbed the bank. And yeah. Norman said to me, <laughs> are you sure? And then when we sold him to Everton, what, what was it for? 800 grand? 800,000, yeah. I remember that. Thinking, yeah. What, yeah. what amazing business Norm, that was. Norman was on the phone saying, is that all you got? <laughs> oh, but no, Joe was good. McGorry did brilliant for us. Russell yeah, did brilliant. Russell yeah. was a good signing. Um, you know, there was good signings. There was there was good players. Good players. Steve Cottrell. Steve Cottrell was a guy. Had a great, yeah, one great yeah. year with us. One yeah, great year. Yeah, yeah. Cotts did brilliant. Um, but we had a good we had a good team. But we had to sell people. That was the problem. Yeah. I think we went to Fulham around about Christmas time the second year. And after that game, we were we were third or fourth in the league. We'd had a great run, and then we sold Neil Masters, Joe Parkinson. I think did Vince go? Vince did Vince, Vince go Bosch. at that time? Yeah, yeah Vince, Vince Bosch, went yeah. at that. Yeah, Vince went at that time as well, or similar time. Did we Fana just sold Fana Fana Koku go as well. F and seven hundred fifty thousand. You know that yeah. that was a great story as well. We got Mike Walker and our new Dave David worked with us, Dave Williams. So Mike Walker was at Norwich at the time. So I'm sat at the end of the phone and I know Mike wants Effen above everybody else. So they come in and they offer about three, four hundred thousand. Of course, Norman's there. It's deadline day. He's desperate to get the money for to, to keep the bank off his back. And he's going, yeah, yeah, come on. He's always injured. He's, he's this, that and the other. Da, 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 let's do it. No, 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 no. Right last, honestly, it was about five to five. And he is going absolutely potty with me. And I've, I've just on the phone, I, Mike, um, unless we get over 700,000, we're, we're not selling him. Put the phone down. And Norman went berserk. That's it. We've lost him. It's all gone down. This way and this way and anyway, two minutes later, Mike rings up. He's gone. Yeah, OK, deal. Let's get it done. And um, yeah, Effen was a great lad. Great. I, he was. I really liked Effen. Yeah. I, I remember playing I... at Rotherham. Can you remember Rotherham, Neil, where, where he went up and he scored two or three goals? He'd been out injured for ages. 
and he scored uh, he scored two or three goals on the break with his pace. He's just yeah. uh, he was just unstoppable on his day. Unstoppable. The thing I always remember about him his first season. He kept getting put clean through because no one could catch him, but he never ever finished. And I remember thinking, yeah. someone's going to work with him. When he learns to finish, he's going to be out of this club and gone. But it, yeah. it was, it was, it took him about five or six months to learn how to beat league goalkeepers. But it was almost embarrassing because he kept getting put clean through all the time. And uh, then, then he learned it and he was gone. He was a great lad as well. Really, really good lad. Really, really good lad. So, so Tony, you, you talked about copping a bit of flat from the fans at Bournemouth. I mean, you've you've had you know flat from the fans at various clubs you've been to. I mean, how how difficult is it to manage when you're getting grief from the fans? And are you able to switch off from it or put it in a box and forget about it? Yeah, I'm fine, mate. You know, I'm, I've got quite thick skin. Um, I think you have to accept it today. I think it's got worse today, mine. It than, is, yeah. Than in my 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 time, um, or you know, during my time. Um, but like you say, even at Stoke, when I initially went to Stoke, you know, I got, you know, everybody loves me there now. But, you know, there, there were times where it was tough. It was really tough. You know, there was, um, you know, there was a, a real negative about that, negative about most clubs I've joined until I leave. And then, you know, you get some credit after you've left. But, <laughs> you know, that that's, you know, that's the way it is. You have to accept it. I always do my best. Um, I always go into a football club and try and do my best, and I, I suss it out. And if I can, if I can work it, I'll work it. If I can't work it, then I don't hang around very long. If I don't think that you know things are right for for the way I manage, then you know I, I just won't I won't hang around that long. It it just doesn't happen. Um, and you know I've always been pretty bloody minded in lots of ways and lots of things, but. I think I know how to do things. I think I know how to make um, things work. And there's certain things that you have to have um, to do it. And if you don't get it, then mm. what's the point of wasting your time? And like I say, when I went to, to the borough, yeah, Steve was desperate to get promoted again, as everybody else was. But he was also desperate to get that wage bill yeah. down and get some. Because yeah. like I say, he'd, he'd, Steve had spent over 50-odd million. Yeah. Everyone always looks back at their first management position, whatever job they do, and uh, and think, oh God, you know, I, I wouldn't do that again if I had a second chance. When you look back at the, what did you learn from Bournemouth? What did you take into your next job, thinking I'm not going to do that again? Um. Well, the the, the great thing between Bournemouth and, and Gillingham was that I actually had a year out, so you know, I had a year out of football. And Bruce Rayock um, had rung me up. I think Bruce had gone to Bolton by then. Um, and he rang me up and asked me if I would do some work for him. Would I go out and watch games and do stuff for him and this, that and the other. Um, and I spent really a lot of time out on the road watching games. And this is where Harry was brilliant. When I first met Harry, Harry was the best I'd ever known for, for knowing players and knowing the material that, uh, that you need. So I had a real, from leaving Bournemouth and going to Gillingham, I had a real good year. Of, of monitoring players in all leagues, non-league, right through football league. And then when I took over at Priestfield, I was fortunate that there was 12, 13 players out of contract. Mm. So I could bring in seven or eight players. And we did that and we got promoted that year. That first year I was at Priestfield, we got promoted without spending too much money. Um, you know, got a couple of players out of non-league. 
uh, took Dennis Leo Bailey. Fort- Leo Fortune West. Fortune West. Superb yeah, player. We, we, took, we took Dennis Bailey. <laughs> um, I knew Dennis's mentor really well. Dennis came from QPR, was absolutely fabulous for us. Kevin Ratray was another lad who came out of the non-league. Mm. He cost us three grand or four grand. Uh, Dave Martin, senior pros, Ratcliffe, people like that. Mark Harris, who played at Swansea. You know, they were there. I knew mm. them. You know, I'd watched them. And I was absolutely convinced that to get out of the, the, the fourth division, as it was then, we needed that type of character, those type of characters. Mm. Um, so... Bournemouth, Bournemouth was a great experience in in a lot of ways. One, the appreciation. I think you realise then and recognise you have to do it for your chairman and your football club because you're not going to keep everybody happy and you're mm. not going to please everybody on the terraces. You know, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. So my you know, my whole principle from that point onwards was I'll do the best I can for the person who pays me mm. and, you know, the, the, the club I work for. And, you know, irrespective, there's lots of things, Jeff, Neil, that go on behind the scenes that you can't tell people about. There's lots of things that I'm happen sure. that you, you just all fire on and you just say, no, nah, that's not for, for the public domain. And a lot of them is, is you'd be absolutely astonished and amazed at, at things that, um, that go on and have happened in my career where you just can't say it. So mm. I've, I've really been very single-minded and very stubborn and, and determined to to make the best I possibly can with what I've got and irrespective of fashion or what people think or people yeah. say, just get on with it. Brilliant stuff. Absolutely refreshing. I really enjoyed that. I didn't think I would. I might have changed my mind about the guy. Uh, in the full interview, Poulis also speaks of his times as a player at Bristol Rovers, Gillingham, Happy Valley, Newport County, plus management at Stoke City, twice, of course, Gillingham, Pompey, Plymouth, Crystal Palace, and uh, also recently, of course, West Brom, Middlesbrough and Sheffield Wednesday. Really interesting to hear why certain relationships broke down and also what he made of footballing hierarchies, especially at AFC Bournemouth. What is next for us? Check that out. So we really appreciate having your ears for the last hour or so really appreciate it and this is the bit that everyone loves to just skip past i'm absolutely certain but it's about buying us a coffee but we'll tell you why it can be a really big help for us we've been a podcast since 2016 and uh, we have re-established ourselves with a youtube channel august 2019 now with the pod and the youtube channel it takes more than 30 hours combined to produce each week Now, off-screen work includes updating the website, arranging guests, pre-show graphics, preparation, post-production such as editing, social media promotion, and a lot more besides. It's basically a full-time job. Now, what we're aiming to do is improve our output with better microphones. We're going to buy decent cameras and help pay for the cost of our streaming platforms. We want to document the journey with AFC Bournemouth to the best possible quality we can. And with your help, well, maybe it can be done. It's afcbpodcast.com forward slash coffee and for the first time ever soon there will be perks for people who donate in the way 
of exclusive content and exclusive merch as well. Yeah, that's right. Just for people that have just bought us a coffee. Really appreciate you being part of the project. And uh, yeah, you will be rewarded for your loyalty. And you know who you are, the people that have done it already. You're absolute legends. We cannot thank you enough. Right, can Bournemouth get three points against Bristol City in the week? I hope so. Be really nice if we, we could. And then follow up with another three points of the weekend. Well, we'll certainly be documenting it right here. And remember the YouTube channel as well. Tony Pulis, full interview and a lot more besides. But for now... Cheers for listening. This has been Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Early ball looking for Danjuma. Across the goal! Oh, now Danjuma! A moment of controversy, a moment ago. And now a moment of decisiveness from the Dutchman. A long ball down the left hand side. And oh, now Danjuma stole in and fired it home low for his seventh goal this season. The red card controversy is forgotten as Bournemouth goes straight into the lead. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.